0: Good, thank you. Carrying on this subject of 40 Days with Jesus, it talks about the whole period of time, six weeks, when Jesus came and he appeared to the disciples in all sorts of different ways. And uh, do, do you know the the, the game you play with, uh, with children? And I was looking for the slide, I couldn't find it, the picture of our daughter Louise when she was around about 18 months and we were playing peepo with her and uh, she was behind the bookcase and um, uh, take, take a picture when she popped her head out, and uh, there she was. And the reason that you do it with the children is because they need to learn the concept that when they can't see you, they are still there. Throughout six weeks, Jesus played peepo with his disciples. Every now and then, he'd pop up, and he'd be there, and they could get used to the fact that when he said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you who will be one like me, that they could get used to the fact that Jesus was there and when the Holy Spirit was there, they could get used to the fact that Jesus was there with them as well. Now we're looking at one of the most interesting stories that uh, we find during this period and it is the story of two people walking just nine miles or thereabouts to Emmaus. And as they're on the road, they come across Jesus. So I'm going to read through the story in Matthew 24, and then we'll refer to each part of that, and we'll see something about how the the, uh, disciples had an eye-opening journey. Luke 24 and verse 13. Now, that same day, that is the day that uh, Jesus was resurrected, The two of of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, seven miles, it's even shorter. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened, and as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast, and one of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem, and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? Jesus asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, And they crucified him. But we'd hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's the third day. And since all this took place, in addition, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said. But him they did not see. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow of heart. Oh, I'd I'd love to have been there, wouldn't you? How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread. He gave thanks. He broke it and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened. They recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem where they found the 11 together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Father, as we look at this Story, and as we talk about your appearance, we thank you that you are with us even here today. And we pray that you would open our eyes to see more of you in Jesus' name. So there they are, walking on this road, just taking an ordinary journey, no buses, just walking, talking airing what had been going on, and Jesus comes, and he walks with them. At first, they fail to recognize him, and some people have said, well, uh, maybe that was Satan keeping their eyes closed. Or maybe it was God had closed their eyes to exactly who Jesus was so that they could get the full revelation." And you notice that Jesus doesn't go in and he doesn't say straight away, I'm Jesus. He allows them to get the revelation, the understanding of who he is. Now, our vision today, spiritual vision, can be blurred by various things. And we're going to look at three things. And just to really encourage you, they are despair, and doubt, and disappointment. But actually, we'll come to the reason why we can see him more clearly in a moment, and how we can do that. I've just been reading a a book, and Elaine's just started on it, by Nabil Qureshi, and it's, it's called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. If you get the opportunity and you want a good read, make sure you've got plenty of time to be able to read it, though, because it's difficult to put down. And it's a wonderful account of how he comes through uh, a Pakistani background of um, uh, Islam uh, to actually finding Jesus. And the point is that in the end, he sees what Jesus is like. He, see, he gets a, a sense of Jesus, Spiritually, his eyes are opened and is no longer blurred. As they talked and discussed with each other, Jesus himself came up and talked with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. What stops us from seeing who Jesus is, of connecting with Jesus spiritually? It says, they stood still, their faces downcast. Now, you may not be going through despair in your own life, or maybe you are. But whatever your situation, Jesus doesn't come crashing in. He comes alongside and presents himself as the one who can help us in that situation. There was a real sadness, a deep sadness about them at that time because they'd been seeing Jesus crucified, but they hadn't really seen the truth of his resurrection. They'd seen the downside and not the upside. And maybe that's the situation you're in. You're seeing the downside of your life, and you can't see the upside at the moment. Well, hold on. Jesus is with you and we'll see more of how we get out of that in a minute. The good news we saw last week is that uh, the resurrection promises freedom from the grip of despair. We have that promise that Jesus is present with us in the midst of it all. He doesn't stand aloof It said that he was in heaven and voluntarily disrobed himself of the glory and became man for us, associating with our need and difficulties. And then he said that he would send the comforter to be with us. In John, when he was... uh, John's Gospel, when it talks about that, he talks about the comforter as being the Greek word alos, one so like that you cannot tell the difference. One who is like Jesus alongside us, the comforter, the Holy Spirit with us. Secondly, our vision can be blurred by disappointment. Do you know last week we were, um, or the week before that, we were, talking on Palm Sunday, about the disappointment that some people felt when Jesus came to the gate of the, tem- of the city and he turned right to the temple rather than left to the Roman headquarters. They had seen the person of Jesus differently. They had seen him as a political leader coming to set them free in some uh, militaristic way. They were disappointed because of unfulfilled expectations. And we can sometimes be disappointed also as we see Jesus and we think, he's not quite the Jesus I want him to be. Anyone come across that one? In the midst of situations and you think, I'd love Jesus just to fix this one for me. I'd love Jesus to do this or to do that and to be my magic fairy godmother, whatever. And there's a disappointment in us when Jesus doesn't quite do that for us. These disciples said, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. They were clearly disappointed because they had a picture of what Jesus was going to be like. Thirdly, our vision can be blurred by doubt. It says in, the, in this passage, in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said that they did not see Jesus. There was a sense of, this can't really be true, can it? a sense of doubt in their words. In spite of the reports of an empty tomb and the angels, Jesus really was alive. But their doubt blurred their vision of that. They couldn't quite see it at that point. Thankfully, we can move on from uh, doubt and uh, Disappointment and despair and see an answer. First of all, a little story of a person called Rose Crawford who lived um, uh, just a a few years ago and at the age of 50 uh, she went to have some help because she was blind in both eyes. And the... uh, The surgeon said, we can do something about that. And he rectified the issue. And she was then able to see perfectly well, having never seen before, because they were able to cure the issue. Isn't that wonderful? There's one thing that's just a little bit sad about the story, and that is that they developed the technique... 20 years before that she had 20 years of blindness when she could have had 20 years of sight it was only that she had just figured out she just got it sorted out in her mind from what she had heard that there was a possibility she'd be able to see So, we come to the more encouraging element of this this morning, and that is, our vision of Jesus can be corrected. This is the wonderful news that's contained in this story. Firstly, we should note the context. Throughout these 40 days, Jesus appeared, first of all to Mary, and then to few disciples, and then to 11 disciples in a room, and then to uh, 12 when Thomas was there as well, Um, and then to, um, no, actually it was 11 when Thomas was there, wasn't it? Get it right. Two on the road to Emmaus. Sometime, he appeared to 500 people at one time. So there were all sorts of different contexts in which Jesus appeared. And the For us, there are also different ways in which he can perform surgery on our eyes in order that we can see clearly. Now, the first of those is the scripture. And you think, I've never seen him with a black Bible before. He's always had a red one with his name on the front. Well, it's true. It's in for the um, repair up in um, the bookbinders up in Winchester because it's got worn out again. And I'd really love to know that your Bible gets worn out, not because you abuse it, but because it's well used. What I'd love to do is to have a transcript of that seven mile encounter of the disciples with Jesus. Because there they learnt something about Jesus from the Old Testament scriptures. Now, we've got the Old Testament Scriptures. They've been around for 400 years in their completed form by the time that Jesus came on the scene. So they were thoroughly familiar with it. The Scriptures were there, but what Jesus did was he applied those Scriptures in a way that gave them understanding. As we come to the Scriptures looking for understanding of our circumstances, and of who Jesus is, and how he works in, in our lives, then the Holy Spirit comes to interpret that word to us. But first of all, we've got to do something. Pick up the Bible. Open it up. Read it. Or as um, uh, my kids have been doing, playing it on um, audio tapes. When you try it driving from one place to the other. Phil used to do that, didn't he? Phil Lashem often does that. So whatever way, let the Scriptures come to you so that you can hear them. And in that way, God can speak to us. Jesus said to them, "'How foolish you are and how slow to believe "'all the prophets had spoken. "'Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things "'and then enter his glory?' And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Page 26. Now, don't be encouraged, Naz. Just um, for those who are not familiar with the scriptures or you've not really come across how to get into the Scriptures, the Old Testament Scriptures go up to where it says New Testament. <laughs> that, yeah. And it's that section of the Bible, the vast majority of the writing there. And that pa- that, those passages are all that Jesus had to refer to when he was talking about himself. We can find in the Old Testament lots that teaches us about who Jesus is. Please don't disregard the Old Testament scriptures. But if you want to look at what Jesus said and did, the four Gospels at the beginning of the New Testament do that, and then that is further clothed by what happened immediately after that in the Acts of the Apostles and then goes on to all the letters that were distributed amongst one another in the um, uh, later part of the uh, New Testament, and finishes up with a prophetic book about what God's going to do in the end. So we can read the end straight away if you want to, and find out what's going to happen. But this is what the Bishop of Rochester said about the Bible. He said, The Bible is the portrait of our Lord Jesus Christ the gospels are the figure itself in the portrait the old testament is the background leading up to the divine figure pointing towards it and absolutely necessary to the composition as a whole the epistles serve as the dress and accoutrements of the figure explaining and describing it then while our bible reading while by our bible reading we study the portrait as a great whole the miracle happens the figure comes to life, and stepping down from the canvas of the written word, the everlasting Christ of the Emmaus story becomes himself our Bible teacher to interpret to us all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Isn't that good? I think that's a wonderful description. I was uh, looking on, the, on YouTube the other day, uh, or it was via Facebook, at a a little video of some Chinese believers receiving Bibles that had not had any before or not had any of their own. And as they took the Bible out, they held it up and kissed it. There was a preciousness to the, uh, the encounter for them. And I'd love us to have the same outlook concerning the scriptures they are the word of god to us amen then it says in luke 24:32 we were not our hearts burning within us while we he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures let's ask god to cause our hearts to burn within us as we read the Scriptures and the Holy Spirit enlightens us as to the meaning. There's a second thing here, and that is, that helps us to see things more clearly, and that is the presence of Jesus. There's an alarming point in this story where Jesus makes as if to go on when he gets to Emmaus, And you think, oh, they're going to miss out, but they don't. They say, come on in, come in to be with us and to take a meal with us. Stay the night before you carry on your journey. And uh, there is something in that for us also to learn concerning the presence of Jesus. We can have the presence of Jesus, but not really welcome him in welcome him to us there is a, a a passage in revelation 3 that talks about a door and the door is needing to be opened and jesus makes a promise if you open the door i will come in and eat with you and you with me let's make it personal And then the encouraging thing is you go into chapter 4 and it talks about an open door. And the open door looks into heaven and gives us a revelation of the presence of God. Ever so important, our second point here, that we open ourselves to the presence of God. Do you know there's a really sad story? I'm going to read it to you about Duncan Ballantyne. I I used to like listening to him on Dragon's Den. Great businessman, made a lot of money. But he went over to Romania, and there he met up with some Christians who'd started an orphanage and were doing a fantastic work. And this is what he says. For me, the tears came about 10 o'clock at night, I went to outside and found a quiet place at the side of the house. I couldn't stop the tears. My face was wet, my nose began to run, and I was a mess. I had no choice but to let the tears flow. And as they kept pouring out of me and wouldn't stop, after many minutes, I began to get the feeling that I wasn't alone. It was there that God said, hello. I felt that I'd been consumed by his presence, that something had completely shrouded and taken hold of me. It was unmistakable. I knew who had come, and I also knew why. It, It wasn't a spiritual, vague sort of thing. It was a Christian thing. And I felt I was being told, you've arrived, join the faith, be a Christian, this is it. It was profound. And I stood there, stunned, considering the offer and thinking about what it would mean. I knew I wanted to keep on making money. I knew I wanted to carry on doing all the things I wasn't proud of. I knew I was never going to be this totally Christian guy going to church on Sundays. So I said, no, I'm not ready. And God said, okay, and disappeared. That is his own words in his autobiography. How tragic is that, to meet with the risen Christ and to say no. For us, it's important that as we meet with Christ, in every way we say, yes, Lord, come on in. I want to eat with you and you with me. The last one is this. We meet with Christ as we break bread together. It's very easy to come into the routine of communion, take a little bit of bread, take a bit of the wine or juice, and just pass on without really taking hold of the presence of Christ there. See what happens when the disciples broke bread with Jesus. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and then gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. There is a contrast here with the first meal in the Bible, where there is disobedience. Eve gives Adam some of the forbidden fruit. They both ate and their eyes were opened. Their eyes were opened to sin and to shame. The result was the brokenness that has come into the world. But the wonderful contrast is that as we share bread together in the power of the resurrection, as they on that day in Emmaus shared bread together with the risen Christ, so the power of Christ comes in and deals with the sin and the guilt and the despair and the disappointment and the doubt. As we come together and break bread together, which we're not doing this morning, but as we do, Be aware of the presence of the risen Christ. This really highlights for us the importance of us fellowshipping together, being in a connect group and getting together with others, sharing bread and wine together sometimes, sharing our disappointments and things, sharing what we've got from the scriptures and encouraging one another, sharing together in the life of the risen Christ. There is then a promise as we take communion together, as the early church did from that time onwards, that our vision will be corrected, that our eyes will be opened to who he is and what he has done for us. This is wonderful, wonderful, Wonderful news. Our eyes can be opened. We can see the risen Christ. We can connect with him. We can have revelation from him. And what did they do? They didn't sit in Emmaus and think, that was wonderful. Right, let's go to bed then, shall we? Immediately, even though it was late in the day, They had a seven-mile journey ahead of them, so that was a a couple of hours. And it was already getting towards evening because they'd invited Jesus in. What did they do? They turned around. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven, and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true! The Lord has risen! And the two of them told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Isn't that wonderful? At one point, uh, at Jerusalem, the eleven are seeing Jesus. And then on the Emmaus Road, they're seeing Jesus. And they're encouraging one another as they get together. But for us, the story is ongoing. We've got those little leaflets that we can give out to people saying, Freedom Church are meeting on the 17th for their big launch. Why don't you just take a few of those to some people that that you've seen quite a few times but never really talked to a great deal. So here, come and see what goes on and what's happening. Or perhaps to someone you've known for a long time and say, Would you like to really see Jesus, to know Jesus, for him to be real to you? The story of this ends with the revelation bubbling out of them and then being part of the church where daily people were getting saved. Where only a few weeks down the line, after the uh, uh, man is raised at the beautiful gate, There are 5,000. That happened because they were just spilling over with what Jesus had done. So shall we pray now that we have an encounter with the risen Christ that makes a difference for our lives. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you didn't just sit in heaven and look down on our Difficulties and trials, but that you emptied yourself, that you became one of us, that you lived amongst us, you showed us a perfect life, and then you died for us in our place. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you didn't stay dead, that you rose from the dead and you ascended into heaven where you live to intercede for us until you return. Lord Jesus, we thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you, Lord, that you speak to us through so many different ways. We thank you, Lord, that you can correct our vision, clarify our vision, that we can see you. Lord, we want our blurred vision to be corrected that we might be able to see you the resurrected Lord working amongst us Lord Jesus we ask you Lord in the midst of our fellowship with one another in the midst of our talking with one another in the midst of our reading the scriptures in the midst of our worship that you would manifest yourself so much amongst us that we would get to know you better and be able to tell others of the great things that you have done. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if this has raised things for you, if you've never come to that place of saying, I want Jesus to be my Lord, then please come and ask for help. We'd be glad to help. If there is something of despair or disappointment or doubt going on in your mind, and you want some prayer today, there are people with yellow lanyards that will help you, and the leaders and maybe a friend that, you could, uh, that could help you today come to a better place of enjoying the presence and the person of Jesus. Amen.